Hello and welcome to the ETOF 2-1 Sports Podcast for May 19th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric and I'm the man behind ETOF 2-1 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter at ETOF 2-1, on Instagram at ETOF 2-1 Sports underscore. How is everyone doing? Phenomenal show lined up for you today. Gino's going to come on, talk a little Preakness, tell you the best to lock in. Jim is going to come on, we're going to talk USFL, look back at the XFL championship game and as always brandon is going to come on and we're going to talk a little nascar all-star race this weekend we'll give our two cents on the bets to lock in but look before i get into that i have so much shit i need to talk about about the nba obviously doc is gone um interesting interesting move who are you going to get I know a lot of these times these coaches, these guys are like, oh, let's get a new coach. Okay, who? Who is the coach you're going to get? And are the Sixers going to move Embiid? Are the Sixers going to look to make a hard push for a Dame Lillard? Because Portland became very interesting now because they're at the third pick. And they've had Dame forever. They're not really doing anything to put Dame in a situation to succeed. Hypothetically, I think it kind of depends what Portland does, what Charlotte does. Charlotte is sitting on the two-pick. Obviously, Scoot Henderson is there. But do you really want to draft Scoot Henderson and have a Scoot Henderson LaMelo ball backcourt? Anyone that's listened to anything that I've done on here or has watched any of my streams knows how I feel about LaMelo ball. I don't feel you can win with him being your point guard. In my eyes, he's basically a smaller Joel Embiid. So a player who's good, but you can't win with. And do the Hornets take Brandon Miller because he's a better fit? Do they move back down? Do they trade with Houston? But if Scoop Henderson's going to be there, he works out very well. I know he had a down season in the G League, but he works out really well. And that's going to really open up stuff for these scouts where maybe Portland would be willing to go with a Scoot Henderson, uh, Sharp, Simon, you know, a package like that to go forward with and trade Lillard and get as much back as you can for Lillard and kind of do a hard reboot. Flip side, let's say it's the three pick. What would it take for the Blazers to get Embiid? Something to think about. Because I'll be honest, you kind of have to look at it like this. It's been 10 years since the process started. And they've got nothing. No Eastern Conference Finals. They choked against the Hawks. They were up against the Celtics, couldn't finish it. And Bede basically quit. And Bede basically quit on his team in that game six. And anyone that knows basketball could watch it. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I personally, I don't think they're going to do anything. I think Maury's going to try to run it back with this same team. Basically, Harden's going to be gone. Maybe look to move something, get something in, like a C.J. McCollin, a player like that to pair with Embiid. I doubt that Philly's going to have enough trade assets to bring in a, a guy like Damian Lillard. Flip side of that, why is it that every time there's a freaking trade, the Warriors are always involved? We have Giannis going there. We have Embiid going there. We have KD going there again. All these superstars, oh, all these trades, oh, oh, the Warriors, the Warriors, the Warriors. And it's just kind of funny to me. And also the other funny thing is, is like you see these people on Twitter and the trade proposals that these guys pull out 
are just so astronomical. This one guy I saw had the Phoenix Suns trading, don't be hating on DeAndre Aiken, to the Utah Jazz for Wade Kessler, Colin Saxton, Jordan Clarkston, um, the, the rookie from Kansas whose names I'm, I'm, I'm spacing on, and two more draft picks. In what fucking world? Like, honestly, just think about that. In what fucking world would Utah do that? It's just kind of funny to me. Like, you see these trades that are constantly just thrown out, and it just makes little to no fucking sense to me. It's just, it's really comical. Um, Obviously, con- congratulations to the San Antonio Spurs. You know, they definitely won it. They're getting Victor. It's going to be a great fit. Obviously, their win total is going to be a little juiced. I'm going to definitely go with the under. I mean, we have to remember this kid is 18. It's going to take a little time for him to develop. Like I said, three with Portland. Portland is going to kind of depend what what uh, Charlotte does in the draft order. Personally, I think Charlotte and, and Houston flip. For Houston to pair Scoot Henderson and Jalen Green together, that's pretty interesting. And, you know, you got Kevin Porter Jr. there. You know, you'd have a young athletic guard. That's that's pretty good for Houston. Plus, but on the flip side, there's all these rumors that Harden's going to opt out of his contract with the 76ers, and he's going to go there. Okay, so let's say that happens. What, what, what now? You have too many bodies. Personally, I take the young guys over Harden, but I don't know. Houston definitely wants to be more viable, and, I mean, getting a guy like Harden will probably help them be viable. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs in the West. Next, you know, we have my Pistons. A little disappointed them only getting the five. But the worst thing the Pistons could have had is been on the board with Scoot Henderson because then they'd have to choose Scoot or Cade. And let's face it, like I said, Scoot works out like a beast. But in the G League, he has not been that good. So that is a big worry point for the Pistons with what to do. Obviously, you know, they could go after Walker, the kid from from Houston, maybe take a swing at Thompson, the small forward from the overtime elite, or go after Cam Whitmore. Pistons are that team, you know, they're kind of like Oklahoma City light. You know, they have Cade, they have Ivory, Duran, Isaiah Stewart, uh, Killian Hayes. They have some good young pieces, but they just don't have that dude. They just really just don't have that dude yet. And maybe they could flip bogey and get a draft pick that turns out to be something. I'm interested to see what Nick Smith is at the next level. You know, he came in very highly rated to Arkansas. And obviously the injuries very limited what he could do. I think that could be somebody that could go into something. Bryce Sensiball, again, I think he's a scoring wing. I think he can come on here do some stuff wherever he ends up going. I'd be interested in that. And the big question mark for me is, A, what does Chris Murray, where does Chris Murray, the kid from Iowa, Iowa, where does he go? Because he can be someone that comes in as a shooter to fill in some stuff for a team. And lastly, Andre Jackson from UConn. I think he's going to be the most athletic guy that comes out of this draft. And he's going to be a guy you can get at the late first early second and I think he's going to be in the league for 10 years just because of athleticism definitely needs to improve his shots shot making but I think with the coaching in the league he'll be able to do that my next thing is I need to talk about John Moran 
and then we'll get on with the podcast. My main thing with John Morant is this. Did he break any laws? I don't know. I really don't know. If he's in a state where it is illegal to have guns, then yeah, he broke a law. He broke a law. But I'll say this. You work for the NBA. And whoever you work for, probably you can't be going flashing a gun. I, I, I don't know. There's Maybe there's something in this contract. I don't know. But I'm going to say this. And this is a comment Draymond Green made. I know a lot of gangsters. And they ain't on IG Live flashing guns. Why are you flashing a gun? And why are your boys fucking bringing out IG Live? That just makes zero sense to me. Why the fuck are your quote-unquote boys, who are supposed to be your dogs, out here just flashing shit on IG Live? It's like, dude, put the goddamn effing camera away. He may have thrown around millions of dollars. I mean, that's what you guys don't understand. He could have possibly thrown around millions of dollars just fucking lost because he's a fucking moron because he wanted to look hardcore on fucking IG Live. Scoot Henderson, Victor, Brandon Miller, all these guys are coming up. All these guys need shooting deals. You just signed $20 million, generation wealth, family set up for life, and you blew it because he flashed a gun on IG Live. And I don't care who does it. I think what Cayman did when Cayman threw up his guns, I thought that was bad too. And Cayman's a former Chippewa from CMU. I thought that was bad. But if you work for a company and the NBA is a company, there's certain guidelines you have to do. And Adam Silver is a commissioner's coach. And you could hear the fucking disappointment in his voice when he was talking about Adam, when he was talking about, excuse me, John Morant. And it's just, yeah, it, it's it's too bad. I hope he gets his head together because what I'm seeing right now is recklessness bordering on dangerousness. And that's what I don't want. I don't want anything buddy to happen to anybody. I do not want recklessness borderline on dangerous he needs to get his shit together and seriously take a look around with what he's doing in his life because he doesn't want to end up the obvious what could it be what i think is going to happen i think he's going to be suspended i think it's going to be a lengthy suspension and it's going to change the trajectory of the memphis grizzlies and the funny thing is i'm surprised the grizzlies hasn't come out and blamed dylan brooks because it seems to me that motherfucker gets blamed for everything but like i said we have a great show for you today, and let's jump right into it. We're at the second leg of the Triple Crown, and who better to come on than talk about the Preakness than Gino from the That's What G Said podcast. Gino, how you doing today, my man? Doing well, buddy. Fun week. Um, you and I are recording on Thursday, so Black Eyed Susan Day is Friday. Preakness Day is Saturday. Mage is the heavy favorite in the Preakness. He's the only horse that's returning from the uh, Kentucky Derby that raced a few weeks ago. So as we record right now, there are some rumors about one horse that might scratch. We can just talk about that horse like he's not because for our conversations as of now, the horse is still in the race. So the field of eight that's going to be lining up right now for the Preakness. Um, so we got National Treasure four to one, Chase the Chaos fifty to one, which basically sounds like my dating life. Mage eight to five, coffee with Chris twenty to one, red root one ten to one, um, perform fifteen to one, blazing sevens six to one, first mission five to two. Now let's just let's just play what if. What if the rumors are true? First mission is scratched, 
I mean, is this just mage all this the is way? A, this is, is a really tough race to bet because that to me, I, I don't even know how much I I would be betting in a individually just on this race, um, because the horse that I liked uh, is first mission. Just thinking that he's the the horse peaking at the right time right now. Mage stands out over the rest of this field, and a horse like National Treasure who will probably end up being a, a short price. He's four to one on the morning line. He really hasn't proven himself all that much like he's fine but in this he probably should be like double his price normally in a race like this just goes to show you it's not the strongest renewal of the preakness when we talk in a few weeks the belmont will probably be a pretty strong race because there's a lot of horses that are not running here that will end up running back in a few weeks now it seems like this has been a continuing trend now for the last yeah x amount of years yeah, I think is this is the first time since 1969 gone. that there's only been one horse, but we very rarely have a bunch coming back. It's tough. I just don't know what you can do because um, owners and trainers, they're just not going to run their horses as often nowadays. So if you don't win the Kentucky Derby, almost no one else is going to run back in the Preakness because they don't really have to. They'll just wait the five weeks come back in the Belmont with a fresh horse or pick a different spot. It, yeah, you just, you, yep. You really don't see horses that unless they feel like their horse had a really big excuse in the Derby and didn't really have, didn't encounter much trouble. Like the race didn't take a whole lot out of them. Then maybe they'll wheel back. Sometimes when a, a trainer or an owner feels like they have the best horse that just got beat in the Preakness, or in the Derby, then a lot of times they come back in the Preakness. So uh, this year, it's no doubt Mage's race to lose. Now I'm looking at Chase Chaos 50 to 1, Coffee with Chris 20 to 1, Red Root 1, 10 to 1, and Perform 15 to 1. Could any of these get up to second? Absolutely. You know, Both the five and the, and the six would be the two. Uh, Red Route 1. He's one of the most consistent horses in this race. What I mean by that, you know exactly what you're going to get from him. He's a deep closer. So his running style, he's not fast early. He's going to be last or one of the last horses to start this race. And then he will pass a lot of horses here. He just needs a little bit of help. He, know, he needs them to go fast enough early for him to come closing. And I don't know how, if he's you know, positioned somewhere next to Mage, for him and Mage you know, it's closing together. We saw Mage very, very strong when he was in those conditions. So for Red Route Run, I, I I can realistically see him finishing a good second or third Red Route One. And I actually like him as one of those horses if you're looking for price. I think with Perform, in his last two races, he's really shown improvement. He's looking for his third straight win. He won a race called the Federico Tessio, which by winning that race, it qualifies you for the Preakness. And he was visually impressive. He will need to improve, but I would use those two in exotics. I'm not as high on Blazing Sevens at all. Like, I don't want much to do with him. If we can find matchups against Blazing Sevens, I'm not really that high on him. Um, and National Treasure, it's, it's difficult. I wasn't... I was going to try to fade national treasure if first missions in the race. Uh, if not, you know, if you're looking for the horse to, to beat mage, it might be national treasure going wire to wire. So unfortunately it's not the, like the sexiest renewal of the Preakness this year. Now 
who has the lead? The four coffee with Chris has shown speed. The one national treasure has the blinkers on. He has the rail draw and he will probably be either on the lead or sitting in a great spot just behind coffee with Chris and then takes the lead. So I think I don't really give coffee with Chris much of a chance in here. He has a win at Pimlico. Maybe he can hit the board because he's going to be forwardly placed. Could he run third or fourth? Yes. I don't think he's good enough to win of the speed horses. National treasure is the one that will be most forwardly placed and have the best chance to win. Now we're going to pull our matchups up on. Oh, before we get to that, I'm pick five, pick six player here. Uh, great, great stuff all weekend. Is this just a single in the lat in the to the preakness? Because I know don't they have a ton? Isn't there yes. like six pick fives? And they're all low That's takeout, better. which is great. They're all 12% takeout. The pick fours are like 25% takeout. So if you're gonna play a pick four, don't play a pick five instead. Play lower takeout wagers. Just look and see if you can find that information because it's different for each track. And you know, try to play into those. It's basically like Eric, how we bet, right? If you're going to play with books that, you know, are minus 120, you know, why would you do yeah, that you, when you can find them everywhere? 110. Yep. Right. You just got to um, find places where you can play the same thing for better value. Yep. So is this just a signal, single, excuse me, to mage then? Or is there any other horse I should Yeah. Because the problem for me is I, I really like, I liked first mission as a horse to maybe single against mage, right? Like I would have maybe if first missions in the race and he's, if he's in the race, he's fine. If he's not in the yeah. race, he's out, but let's say he's in, I would single him as against mage. He'll be the strong second choice. I probably wouldn't bet him to win because at like five to two or two to one, it's still a short price, but in a pick four in a pick five situation like that in, in multi-race exotics, yeah. you'll get a little bit more value for a horse like that. Now, the problem is with him out of the race, that makes National Treasure, a horse who I didn't really like to begin with, way undervalued now. Because if you take out first mission, now National Treasure will flop down to five to two. You know, yeah. and that's what, and you'll have a horse like Blazing Sevens go down to probably five to one, four to one. So, Th those horses can they win sure but they're sort of going in the wrong direction they were better at two both national treasure and first mission or both national treasure and blazing sevens they haven't shown any improvement at three and mage right now is a horse who's really moving forward and improving though if i'm trying to find value in this race the way i do it was sort of what you were you were hinting at i take mage I hook Mage up with Red Route 1 and Perform. I put Mage on top of them, and then those two on top of Mage. And you hope that, you know, Mage wins, and at least underneath, it doesn't go Mage and then National Treasure and Blazing Sevens, because if it doesn't go first choice, second choice, third choice, at least you'll get paid a little bit. Yeah. And then if you play it both ways... If for some reason a red route one or a perform were to win and defeat mage, then of course you'll get very well rewarded. Now I'm looking at it right now. Let's pull up the bet online head to heads. Obviously nothing is official yet, but
but there is rumors. I would play that. I would have played that one with first mission at plus one twenty five. First mission at one twenty five makes a lot of sense. Um, National treasure if first if first mission runs. I mean, it's minus one seventy five for first mission, plus yeah. one thirty seven yeah. for national treasure. Um, that's a little too high for me. Me too. To get me too. I wouldn't. I wouldn't like to play any of these that were like higher than minus one fifty. I would just look for other ones, or play the now play the got, horse in the race. You know, a different way. Now we got national treasure and blazing sevens. National treasure is minus one sixty five. It's it's blazing too high. I mean, I'd lean I'd lean national treasure. I like that one better, but it's. The, the the line's too high for that one for me to get interested in. Now we got perform. I, I'd actually go red, red route one here at minus 110. I think that's – I'm a little more confident in red route one closing against these level of horses. I'm not quite sure yet how good perform is. He might be, but in a matchup like this, if it was basically even I and – even getting a little bit better value on red route one. I, I go in that direction. Now we got caught. Geez. Red route one minus two fifteen. coffee with Chris plus one sixty nine. Two, Yeah. I'll stay away there. That's just too, too big. Now I need to ask you this, but obviously with that is all that that online is offering. Um, I want to ask you what, is your take on the Jaffe being oh, Safi Joseph? Stacy Safi Joseph, Jesus, sorry, being told not to come to uh, Belmont. So it's crazy in racing because it's different than in a lot of other sports. Every jurisdiction has their own. At Golfstream, he's going through, um, you know, heightened um, security. So his horses all had to ship into a certain barn. They're being monitored more. So they're really watching. He's not able to do anything wrong. I wish I knew the situation a little bit closer, but in this current climate, I can understand why a lot of these tracks are you're getting to have a zero tolerance policy. The problem is it becomes a little bit hypocritical, you know, Eric, because it's like, they pick and choose where they want to enforce it. There's there's certain people that Everyone and that's has their yeah, and, that, and that's sort of what's hard is because like right with with the animals now and since it's in horse racing and with the the way things have been in racing the last few years, um, the public perception isn't quite as good. I can understand why anytime there's uh, an issue, they get uh, any track can have a no tolerance policy if they'd like, but. I wish they were just more consistent. That's that's what I always want just as a fan, as a better, as anything, right? When I complain about officials anywhere, I complain because it's not consistent. I don't care if they call all the fouls or no fouls. I just want it to be consistent. I, I think that's the same thing. Nobody wants to see anything bad happen to the horses. Um, if they find out he's been doing things, I, I hope he's punished accordingly. I don't know necessarily if or what he's done yet or if anything is just – bad circumstance but i wish it was a little bit more consistent and in other countries and a lot of uh, around the world it's a very very serious very serious penalties if um if you're caught doing any sort of like doping or uh or drugging now one more preakness question and then um before i let you go uh we talk about basketball a lot and you know i'm not 
I'm not, I'm new to the horse game. Um, I haven't been around it that much. Um, in basketball, we talk about betting the narrative. Rosario is on red red route one. And he's never won this race. You know, he's finished second in 2014 on ride with curling. 2015 tail of Veray. 2019 Everfast and 2022 Epicenter. You know, he's won the Derby. He's won the Belmont Stakes. He's won, what, 15 races at the Breeders' Cup. Yep. Is and- this the one where he is just kind of under the radar that he puts it together? But he wasn't – how can I word this? He wasn't impressive at Churchill. No, no. no his last well, – all year long, he's been struggling. The, the first right. half of this year has not been a very good year for him. At Gulfstream, he was struggling really early. Um, and I think he got taken off some mounts for some horses. Because one of the problems that he has is he is the – if you put him on a list of the best finishers and any person said that he's like the strongest finisher on a horse, that's fine. I, I wouldn't argue with anyone who says that. I personally probably think he is. He, it, But what happens is – I think sometimes he he's so confident in his own ability that he brings too many horses too far back and he gives them a little bit too much to do. It's almost like um, in baseball, think about like a shortstop or someone who's got a great arm and they wait, wait, wait a little bit too long instead of just making the play because they think they can do it. Quarterback that maybe thinks they can make a throw instead of just making the throw, the easy throw, you know? So what's interesting is this horse fits him so perfectly with the way he likes to ride. He loves to bring horses back and close and show everybody what a great finisher he is. Uh, he seems to, to, you know, really enjoy that. So this might be the horse where it's rider and horse are a perfect marriage. He has not won the Preakness, but Steve Asterson has won the Preakness twice. So his trainer definitely knows how to get the job done. And I mean, this is a gun runner Colt, right? Has only won twice. Oh, but just ran its best most recent race at the Bath Row Stakes at Oakland Park. Okay. All right. So maybe, maybe Red Red Route One is that horse that I can throw in as a second yep. as someone else. I really don't want a single mage in my mage. It's not fun yeah. ever to just be single to the favorite at the end, especially, right? Closing, just knowing that's all you have. Um he yeah, he's the fun he's the fun value horse in the race for me. No doubt about it. So, Gino, I'd like to thank you for coming on. Those that are watching on YouTube, Gino does great work for DRF. There's a link down to the DRF bets, which you can use um promo code winning, I believe. Yep. It's and, really good. Um, uh, it gives you yeah. if, if if you have ever watched Eric's shows on Tuesday, I always uh you I'll pull up like the past performances, what what they look like, uh, like the research sheets, and DRF will give you access to those. They'll give you a 250 match bonus. So if you deposit 250, they'll put 250 right back into your account. They'll give you another ten dollar free bet. A lot of good perks. Use the promo code winning. I think Eric put the uh, the link right in there. So great place to link. look at all the races, get all the info, and then you can make your wagers all right there this weekend link is below for those watching on youtube in the um description section for those listening on the podcast the link will be in the pod podcast description make sure to check that out gino 
I'd like to thank you for coming on. I'm going to let you get back to hopefully, as long as I get the under, I don't care, rooting your boys yeah. on to a victory. <laughs> thank you. I, I appreciate it. Let's see if we can get those Lakers home in game two. Good luck this weekend, everyone. All right, bye. Please give my boy Gino a follow at It's Me, Gino B on Twitter. Make sure you check out his podcast, the That's What G Said podcast. Also, if you are listening to this and you aren't a member of DRF, why don't you go down, click the link in the description. You'll get a nice little bonus using Gino's link. So make sure you give Gino some support. Great guy. Helping you out cashing some horse racing bets on my stuff throughout the year. Now let's shift our attention to some USFL. We've reached the part of the podcast where we're talking some USFL and who better to come on than the man, the myth, the legend, XFL, Jim. Jim, how you doing today, my man? Oh, I'm doing good, Eric. I'm I'm doing real good. So, first of all, before we jump into the USFL, obviously the XFL crowned its champion last weekend in the Arlington Renegades. Props to you for giving out 14 to 1 on this podcast a, about a month ago. Um my question to you is this. Did the XFL exceed, meet, or underperform your expectation going into the season? I would say overall met my expectations and some aspects exceeded them. I didn't expect the level of play to be as good as it was throughout most of the season, um, specifically because one of our biggest gripes from the USFL last year was from some of the bottom teams. The level of play was absolutely putrid. I'm talking to you, Houston Gamblers, Michigan Panthers, Pittsburgh Maulers, and uh, that was kind of it. Every other team was still at least decent. Um, but the level of play in the XFL was actually surprisingly good, especially weeks like seven to nine. Every game was electric down to the wire. Just mwah, love the storylines there. Um, some things a little bit lower than my expectations. I think first off uh, – Scrap whatever trophy they decide to go with for this year's XFL, get a new trophy. That trophy looked like dog shit. But if you look back, the old 2001 XFL trophy also looks like dog shit. So they're just kind of keeping with tradition in that regard. And uh, I don't know, get some better sponsors other than the rock stuff. Yeah, um, definitely up the sponsorship game. Bring back Bud Light Seltzer so I can keep doing Seltzer videos. I miss doing those. That's the one thing I was going to ask you um, for the second XFL reboot. The one that was a couple years ago, obviously stopped because of COVID. If there was one thing that they did there that was brought back that what would that be the one thing you'd want brought back? I guess that's my question. Probably because it just, it, it brought like a whole light feel to it. And I've, I've said this about this XFL too. The, the XFL to me is in a unique position compared to the USFL where it feels a little bit more lighthearted and kind of just fun rather than um, like the worst parts of the XFL this year were when they tried to take themselves too seriously, in my opinion. Like when they tried to stop the beer snake or when ESPN tries to push it too much or when they try and like force themselves into the gambling, like it's stupid. Like if you're not putting the people on that know what they're talking about, if you're not letting the players just kind of have fun. The best parts about the 2020 XFL are when you're seeing like player interactions with fans like there were players that would jump that would just chug beers in the stands after the game they'd have these baller parties in the locker room afterwards it's just it's a way to see players have fun and it's a little bit it's lighthearted. it's a little bit less serious i think the best part about this league is when it doesn't take itself very seriously now 
my next question is this. We need to shift our attention over to the USFL, and we have some games, my friend. We have games. We are kicking off with the Pittsburgh Maulers against the Memphis Showboats. Over under is 41 and a half, and the Showboats are getting two and a half. What say you, my friend? Uh, this one's tough, Eric. This one's tough. I like the under, first of all. I love the underplay. Uh, I think you might be able to even get it at a 48 if you hold off on it until about Friday. But I like the under 41 and a half. If I got to pick a spread, I think the Maulers are a better team at the moment. I think both these teams are kind of hot right now. But I like the Maulers' defensive consistency uh, more than I like anything the Showboats have to offer. So I'm going to be taking the Maulers in this one. I like, let's see, I don't know, man. I like the under, though. And once the first half under, whatever the line is for the first half under, I'll be on that, too. With the quarterback play of the showboats, though, do you think they're live? Oh, potentially. Like, they're potentially live, but I think the defense for the Maulers could just eat them up and turn it into, like, a kick, uh, like a field goal fest. So I'm looking at it right now. The showboats are at two and three. Ballers are at two and three. So whoever loses this game, their future odds are going to dramatically increase. Is there any future value following whoever loses this game? I guess that's my question for you. Uh, so it depends. Uh, the Maulers there obviously will be no matter what, just because the North is so tight for the, the showboats. It really depends the outcomes on these other games in particular. It'll depend on, um, this, I think the Stallions are probably the second weakest team at the moment. I think the game was a little bit better, but it really will depend on that Panthers-Stallions game because these would both be out-of-division losses. The Showboats would still be pretty far behind, but right now they're 20-1. to 1. If you can get them at like 25 or 30-1 to 1 based off of that, there's a chance there's value there, but I just I don't want to put a future in Todd Haley's hands. Next game, we're getting the Birmingham Stallions laying six against the Michigan Panthers. Over under is 44 and a half. You have the Panthers coming up just a mauling by the Molars. You see what I did right there, buddy? Uh, um, that was pretty good. You know, Carson Strong, her, and then you have the Stallions who are coming off a seven-point loss to the Gamblers. Both teams kind of limping in here with the issues and the injuries on on um, defense. I would kind of lean the under here. Yeah, I lean towards the under too. I just don't know what's up with this Michigan offense since week one. I would lean towards the under. It's tough though. I don't like either quarterback that much. Also, six points is just a lot of points. I'm going to take the Panthers plus the six, and I'm going to roll with the under 44 and a half. Okay. Next game. I'm not. I'm not overthinking it this week. Don't overthink it. Just do it. That's what we do. Next game. Breakers laying seven over under forty eight. Jim, that just seems a huge, huge, huge. And you mentioned the breakers for as good as they are, they really aren't covering anything at all. The thing with this, though, is I would maybe wait because it might get to seven and a half and even eight by the looks of the way it's moving. With how the money is is shifting right now, 
we're going to, it looks like we could see a 48, 49, maybe gets up to a seven and a half. I don't know. It's just really, I like the breakers. You like the breakers. It's too many points. But this is just way too many, way too many puntos, buddy. I'm going to take the stars plus whatever. As long as that's over seven, I'm going to take the stars. And then like this stuff. is this the total. I'm staying away. If you're smart, stay away. This could go really either way. It was a sneak under last week, but the second, the second this breakers offense wants to turn on or figures out how to turn on, they're gonna just blow somebody up. Um, the stars can also offensively; they have all the weapons. Like it's really just line play that's keeping them down. So that's where I kind of go to the under that I was like, yeah. And I will say this, ever since that tweet you sent out, Al Horford has double has tripled his rebound total. So it is doing You're welcome. Right, You're welcome. That. Um, last game, the nightcap on Sunday. We got the generals laying six um against the gamblers over under 45 and a half. What say you, my friend? To me, that I just barely just looking at the number. That just is way too many points for me in my eyes. I was gonna say too many points again. You know, I just it just that just seems way, way, way too many points. I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's too many points. Now, I don't hate uh, the, the one thing that I like to I do in the NFL either is when you have a team that has very limited. How can I wear this? They don't run the clock. You know what I mean? They don't pass the ball. They run the clock kind of like a Navy, Navy, Army, those type things, those type games. It's hard to trust them laying big numbers. You know what I mean? It's just really hard to trust the big number stuff. So I don't know. Because of that, I kind of like the under, and I like the gamblers getting the points, dude. Same. And I think the generals are a better team, but again – Similar situation with a bunch of games this week. I just think that's too many points. So give me the gamblers. Now, what is your best bet of the week, buddy? Under 41 and a half in the Mauler showboats. My best bet. I'm going to keep betting Mauler's unders until they stop working. My best bet. Excuse me. Gamblers plus the six, my friend. Uh, Jim, I'd like to thank you for coming on. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media, my friend? You can find me everywhere at XFL Jim. I'm on YouTube, the Twitch, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter. I'm all over. You guys know where to find me. Jim, thanks for coming on. I look forward to talking to you soon, my friend. All right, back at you, buddy. Please give my boy Jim a follow at XFL Jim. This weekend, he's been doing some USFL watch-alongs. Great, great stuff. If you're not part doing that, you're really missing out. Also, guy is very sharp with the spring football stuff. Him and I do spring fever every single Wednesday where we talk everything with alternative football. Now, let's shift our attention over to some NASCAR. We have reached the part of the podcast where we've been talking NASCAR and who better to come on then Brandon, aka at Boston Boy eighty three on Twitter. Brandon, how are you doing today, my man? 
Good. Excited for uh, North Wilkesboro, a track that was closed down for years and reopening just for this. Or not just for this, but to have this open up the weekend's awesome. Now, tell us, like, through my research, I think it's going to play a lot like Richmond, Martinsville, yes. and Bristol. Um, yes. Tell us what you know about the track. I haven't touched it on the simulator. Um, watching practice a few minutes ago, it looks like everybody enjoys the low line. Um, I think as tires go, you'll start to see more of a diamonding the corner to try and get that run off. But uh, they look loose off. Uh, it's going to be a lot of heavy braking. I think you'll see a lot of bumper to bumper like you saw at the Coliseum to open up this open up the season. But um, I think this is going to be not to quote Denny Hamlin, but your old good old fashioned short track racing, and it should be very very exciting to watch. So it'll be a lot of fun. You got the trucks tomorrow at one thirty, so you kind of see what how they drive the track but now they like the state of north carolina where you are located has allocated money to this track along with two other tracks in the state do you think we're gonna now maybe this maybe i'm just didn't do my proper research are they gonna have a yearly race there there now or is this just gonna be an all-star type thing where do you see this going there I see this going well and doing another all-star next next year. And then possibly after that, them actually picking up a race here. Um, I think what NASCAR really wants to get away from, and this is pure speculation. I had a, a contact tell me the ideas there, but they haven't really fully discussed it. But these tracks were Dover twice. But your big prestige tracks like Charlotte, you got the Roval, and then you got the regular race, the 600. So you keep those, but these tracks where it's Bristol twice, Richmond twice when you have these double races I think they're trying to pull one race from a couple of these tracks and adding a new track in but where Which you pull I it, it I'm with you I agree, I agree with it but I think the struggle part is going to get these owners that do multiple tracks say yes I will drop a race for it to go somewhere else without them saying like a Bruton Smith here in Charlotte where he basically told them if you don't do this you're never racing here so it's it I think it's going to be hard for them to do, but I like the idea of where they're going. Now, obviously this, the whole thing with like a race, an all-star race, motivation is different and everything. So it's a little all-star stuff is a little bit harder to cap and bet on. I only have three bets myself. How many do you have for this? My friend three, three. Okay. So I know one of them that we agree on. Why don't we start off with that one? I will, you go first and then I will agree with the points you're going to be making. Uh, Christopher Bell, 10 to 1. It's a short track. He's a boring style racer. No points on the line. He likes to drive up on the wheel. Uh, 10 to 1. He's been running well in good equipment. I just, I enjoy watching this kid. I've watched him race for years on short tracks. I've watched him race short dirt tracks, sprint races, the bull ring. I've seen it all. He loves them. So he's always been good at any NASCAR short track as well. So my radar absolutely is Christopher Bell at 10 to 1. Um, my thought process is this. When you look at the whole body of work for the season, he's been the best driver. He's been the most yeah. consistent driver. Um, you look at since 2020, one win. This is 12 races, one win. Um, and then you look at his last five races at Richmond, Martinsville, and Do and Bristol, excuse me, 16-4-1-4-2. He's just good on this type of track. And with the guy that's been the best and best all year, I'm getting a 10 to one, you know, he just always seems to be in the mix. Like you said, 
this track fits his driving style. So I'm going to take him at 10 to 1 with you, my man. What's your next one? Uh, my next one is going to be Chase Briscoe. And the odds had recently changed. So let me just verify this as we go. I'm taking Chase Briscoe because, again, he is a short track style guy. Hasn't been doing anything in the regular season to really prove as a winner. But to your point, you lay it out all out, all out on the line. You wreck, big deal, no points involved. Uh, Briscoe is sitting at 28 to 1, and he is fifth fastest in practice. He ran 81 laps in practice, so he got a good amount of pace in. So I like Chase Briscoe at 28 to 1. I like that a lot. I like that a lot too. I'm going to be eating some chalk here and I hate doing it. Give me Larson seven to one. This is going to be like Martinsville, Bristol, Richmond. He has the best average finish there. You know, three top three wins. I'm, I'm all about it. Give it to me. Let me lock it in. Let me see what happens. I'll, I'll roll with him. I like it. Um, I'm going to go over to a guy that you wouldn't expect me to really say in this style of a race, but I'll say two things before I say his name. One, Usually he doesn't care who's who's in his way regardless. Doesn't have a whole lot of friends at times, especially at super speedways, even though this is short track. And he hasn't won in I don't know how long. But Brad Kay at 20 to 1. He was second fastest in practice. He actually laid down a total of 59 laps. He ran his best time was a 2755 or 20.755 with Larson at 20.615. So a little over a tenth slower than Larson. Brad K, million dollars on the line, nothing to lose. Don't see why not. That's Brad K's type of race right there, dude. He's all about that cheddar, man. Yep. Um, next one, look. I, I gotta go Blaney 18 to 1. Um, you know, he's Yet to get a win. He's due. He's due. He's due. Um, you know, seven um Martinsville races, four last four last five races of Martinsville, four top fives, five top fives in the last 17 at three tracks. So I mentioned uh, you know, since he's just he's just so due at this track. And I know like when you look at the big scheme of things, it really doesn't quote unquote fit his style of race. But he is in one of the better cars, has some of the best equipment, and is one of the better drivers. It's an all-star race. Most people will be trying stuff. This is a guy that's going to want to get a race under his belt and get a successful race in order to build the momentum to the championship. So, look, I'm going to take Ryan Blaney at 18-2-1. There you have it, man. You know, we're at the all-star race. Hopefully, you can make some money. Um Next week, Brandon is going to be at Charlotte. So, um, you know, those at Charlotte, you see Brandon there, go up, say hi to him. He'll buy you a beer. I won't buy you a beer. I will. He will buy I will absolutely beer. buy you a beer. If, you, if you're if you at he Charlotte, tweet, tweet me, DM me, whatever. But I, I do want to say this real quick. Anybody thinking of touching Ross Chastain this week, don't do it. Wrecked another Chevrolet car last week. Rick Hendrick came out and said, I don't care that it's just me. But the fact that Chevrolet is not putting their foot down on it and he's wrecking Chevy's payback is coming. I don't know if it will be in a non-points race, but I've got a feeling if he puts a bumper to anybody this weekend, they're going to send them. So do not bet Ross Chastain this weekend. That is, that's it. That's all I got. I think. How can I word this? I think that 
that he this is the race he's gonna get wrecked. Maybe fate look to fade him in some head to heads. This would be a good time yes. to fade him in some head to heads. I agree. Because of that. Uh Brandon, I'd like to thank you for coming on. Make sure you give my boy Brandon a follow at Boston Boy83. We'll be back next week and let's make some money, my friend. Let's do it, man. Cash some tickets, guys. That is it for the podcast this week, guys. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in. Please make sure to give Gino a follow at it's me, Gino B. Jim a follow at XFL Jim and Brandon a follow at Boston Boy83 on all social media. Etoff21 Sports will be back this Tuesday with Josh from the Sharps Betting app. Make sure to check that out. Him and I will talk everything sports betting. And Nick will be back next week when we'll talk a little bit more about our strategies drafting a fantasy football team. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in. Until next week, boys and girls.